It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 104. And those of you who are listening in China and in Africa and in South America and in the United States, the United Kingdom, Sweden, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Indonesia, South Korea, uh, Nepal. It's just incredible. People... Um, all over the world. It's great because I get information from the biggest network in the world, the Christian network. And uh, that's what we do here in Quantum. If you're listening to this for the first time, we just look at news and views from throughout the world from a Christian perspective. Now, next week, I'm going to try a wee experiment, do it a wee bit different. Each week from now on, I'm going to have one particular theme. We'll still mention news things, but we'll focus particularly on one theme. So it could be COVID, it could be China, it could be transgender, it could be um, one of the issues I want to look at is domestic violence. They're all different things to look at these and maybe take a slightly more in-depth look than what we do. But for this week, we're going to continue with the news and we're going to talk about the transformation of a president. Listen to this. Over the past few months, we've created a surveillance system to detect outbreaks, and currently 99% of all nursing homes are reporting directly to it. So we have great data. When a nursing home has three or more cases, we alert the state and make sure that it responds very quickly. We check on it, make sure they respond very quickly. I want to send a message of support and hope to every senior citizen who has been dealing with the struggle of isolation, in what should be the golden years of your life. We will get to the other end of that tunnel very quickly, we hope. The light is starting to shine. We will get there very quickly. But we send our love. We send a message of love. Very important. We're with you all the way. As far as the outbreak in the Sun Belt, I said uh, yesterday we continue to vigorously... President Donald Trump, for once, sounding incredibly presidential. No jokes, no stupid comments, no gross exaggerations, no lies, as far as I could tell. He was just being serious about the desperate situation facing the United States in terms of COVID-19. Now, not just the United States. I heard this week, for example, the Iranian government saying that instead of quarter of a million cases, they think they've got 25 million. But the news coming out of the United States with President Trump's conference, and, and as I do say, for me, it was quite a transformation. I, I thought his speech at the uh, monument was just absolutely incredible and just wonderful. Whoever wrote it for him, but he delivered it very well. And I thought this was actually excellent. So I've often been very critical of President Trump, but Maybe this is a sign of something new, or it's a sign that his election campaign is in enormous trouble. One thing of note, though, is that the Trump administration has committed to spending $1.95 billion on 100 million doses of a potential COVID-19 vaccine 
being developed between the US pharma group Pfizer and Germany's BioNTech group. And that is going to be distributed free of charge to all American citizens. It also includes the option for the US to purchase a further 500 million doses. Now, the good news on the on the vaccine front is continues to be relatively good, bearing in mind this caveat that coronavirus is basically like the cold and we still don't have a vaccine for the cold. We don't have a vaccine for any existing coronaviruses. So to get one for COVID-19 is going to be something else. But there was news of AstraZeneca and Oxford University um, going to stage three, as in can Sinobiologics in China also going to stage three, and both of them reporting with minimal side effects, although some side effects, that their drugs were having a considerable effect, particularly in developing neutralizing antibodies and T-cell response. However, what's going to be interesting is whether people will take this up, because there are side effects, and for the vast majority of people, it now appears that up to 80% of people who have COVID, it's so slight, they don't even notice, which is one of the problems with the transmission. And, you know, from a Christian perspective, I want to say we need to humbly admit we are not in control of this. So the front page of the Daily Telegraph carried a report that lockdown may, may cause 200,000 extra deaths. Now, always have a caveat when you see the word may and the headline and read behind it. But nonetheless, it appears as though lockdown will cause a lot of deaths. It could save deaths. So, for example, here in Australia, there are about going to be about 4,000 less deaths because of flu this year. And we've only had, despite the, the spike in Victoria at the moment, we've only had about 130 deaths from uh, or of people with COVID-19. But I do wonder, um, do you know, this balance that we, that we have to get, what, what are these 200,000 extra deaths? Not, not from COVID, but the 200,000 extra deaths are, there's uh, reckoned to be 80,000 coming of people with cancer who are not seeking treatment or getting diagnosed. It's a huge, huge issue. By the way, something else um, in this, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, according to World Vision, has caused 110 million children to go hungry and 8 million others into child labor. Do you know, there is just no simple, easy way out of this. I'm going to leave you on this particular subject with something that I thought was quite amusing. That you, you, you seek light relief where you can. A troop of knights on horseback has been maintaining social distancing among tourists on the Swedish island of Gotland. The COVID knights carry signs with health advice, but insist they do not charge uncooperative visitors. So the knights, uh, the knights of the COVID round table. Oh, wonderful. This isn't so wonderful. It is a rich man's world. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. 
Jeff Bezos has added 13 billion dollars, 10.2 billion pounds, billion, not million, on Monday. One day, one day, one man added 13.2 billion US dollars in what was a record single day jump for an individual. His fortune has grown by 74 billion this year to 189.3 billion. In May, it was reported that American billionaires have become 434 billion richer during the pandemic. There's something within me, almost the socialist within me, let's say, make them pay for all these COVID vaccines. It's just, does, is there not something about that that's obscene? Something about that that's just wrong. It's just wrong. I've just told you about 110 million children going to be starving because of COVID. And yet one man making an extra 80 billion, 80 billion in, during the COVID pandemic. It's maybe a bit much to say because of that. Well, let's move on to another subject. Uh, cancel culture. You know, there's one person I'm, I'm quite I'm glad has been cancelled at one level. And that is Margaret Sanger. Now, if you don't know Margaret Sanger, she was the founder of Planned Parenthood, the great abortion provider or in the United Kingdom. And Planned Parenthood of Greater New York says it's going to remove Margaret Sanger's name from a Manhattan clinic, citing her harmful conne connections to eugenics. Well, duh, not before time. Look, Margaret Sanger believed that African-American babies should be aborted because she wanted less African-Americans. And yet she's continually cited as a heroine. She's long been lauded as a feminist icon and, as they put it, reproductive rights pioneer. In other words, supporting the killing of children in the womb. But she did support eugenics. She did support particularly aborting disabled and, what's the euphemism today? People of colour. No, I, I, have, I have no sorrow at all for that those chickens finally coming home to roost. Okay, um, do you recognize this music? Well, if you do, shame on you. Well, not kind of, shame on you. It's TikTok. Now, I have to confess, I use Facebook and I, I don't like it. I have to confess, I use Twitter and I don't like it. I've just started using Parley because I expect to get banned from Twitter. I don't see why the woke corporate techies from California should get to determine what we get to say on the internet. So, um, yeah, I use these things. I've never used Snapchat and I've never used TikTok. And I'm certainly not going to use TikTok. Uh, my local newspaper, the Australian, not local, but my paper here in Australia, the Australian, and also the Sydney Morning Herald, have adverts from TikTok, huge full-page adverts saying, you've got to stop the Australian government uh, basically dealing with us, as the American government has warned, because TikTok is Chinese-owned. Now, that's not a problem if you're meaning 
When we say China, we have to be very careful. Uh, this is one of the subjects we're going to look at. But when we say Chinese owned here, we really mean owned by those who are supportive of or influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. And there are great concerns, great concerns that its information, the information can be harvested and that the Chinese Communist Party are continually harvesting information. Incidentally, TikTok was the site that was most favoured by pedophiles and pornographers. In India, it was banned for that reason, but now it's seeking global respectability. Um, Al Jazeera had a very interesting report on that, to which TikTok refused to comment. I don't know, I don't think I'll be joining them. And then we had the Russian report, and so I just couldn't resist the temptation to use this wonderful song from Boney M. Oh, those Russians. Listen, I'm not being facetious. I, I do actually think it is a wonderful song. To some bizarre degree telling the story of Rasputin. Ra-ra Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen. But oh, those Russians. Because you see, the Russians are blamed for getting Trump elected. The Russians are blamed for lots of things. Now, here's something. In today's world, the Russians, the Chinese and others are going to be able to use social media and other things to interfere in other countries' politics to get what they want. Now, it's funny how this gets reported because in Scotland it was noted that the UK government report on Russian interference said that the Russians attempted to interfere in the Scottish referendum. And, of course, it, it would suit the Russians and the Chinese, I guess, to have the UK break up. It's also said that the Russians interfered in the Brexit referendum. And again, exactly the same thing. Although the government didn't really seek evidence of that, at least what the report says. But why is that significant? Don't we realise that that was, is what will happen? And isn't there a problem overall with democracy at the moment when we're allowing social media to have a far bigger Input. We allow corporations and others, we allow people to buy, in effect, publicity and power and votes. I, I'm not... This is, a, this is actually a really, really difficult situation. And I think unless we see a return to basic Christian values of what I would say, liberty, tolerance, diversity, intelligence, rational thinking, all people being equal, equality before the law, and so on, then... We're basically going to be handing democracy over. It doesn't matter whether it's over to, to Russian oligarchs, to Chinese ones, to American ones, or to British ones, or Australian ones. Oh, those Russians. Oh, those Russians. Okay, uh, let's say something, a couple of things just about the church. Just some news. Um, I, was, I was saddened to read that the former Dean of Canterbury finally admitted that he had an affair with the wife of Archbishop Robert Runcie. Well, you say, why is that a big deal? Well, it's a big deal in church leaders that goes on. But Lady Runcie 
went so far as to sue a national newspaper for libel when it published details of the affair. She just lied. Lied in court. She sued a newspaper for libel when she knew what the newspaper said was true. Just think about that. So we have a dean who was an adulterer, an archbishop's wife who was an adulteress and a perjurer, and an archbishop who also lied. It's a little wonder that the world looks on and laughs at the church and doesn't trust us. And then here's another sad story. A youth author, a children's author, Matthew Paul Turner, supposedly a progressive evangelical, has announced that he's come out as gay and so on. Now, the major problem I have with that is that he's left his wife. And um, this is the statement he made. This is how desperately bad condition the state the church is in. Dear friends, I have difficult news to share. After much thought, prayer and counselling, Jessica and I have made the decision to end our marriage. While we're be- best friends and thoroughly love doing life, parenting and pursuing our great dreams together. They have three kids. Ending our marriage is necessary because I am gay. As someone who spent 30 plus years in fundamentalist evangelical churches exploring God through conservative theologies, i.e. biblical theologies, I've lived many days overwhelmed by fear, shame and self-hatred. But now for the first time in my life, despite the sadness and grief I'm feeling right now, I can say with confidence I'm ready to embrace freedom, hope and God as a gay man. Okay, I do not have time to say all that is wrong with that, apart from the utter self-absorption, the complete misuse of God and theology, the total lack of fear, yes, in a good sense, reverence and awe and wonder, and this just utter, utter, utter selfishness. I feel so much for his kids and wife. Thankfully, there are Christians who are faithful. Peter Maiden, for example, who died aged 72. Peter Maiden of Operation Mobilization. I I found him to be a a, a wonderful man, not least because of his integrity and his humility. And he's somebody who lived to the end for Jesus Christ, as did also this man. Do you recognize this voice? The church is in trouble. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? The trouble is that we are not taking our God seriously enough. What's the proof of that? Why that we're not taking his word seriously enough. And we're not making sure that our faith matches the teaching of scripture. We don't even seem to be interested in finding out. That's not good enough. Maybe you call yourself a Christian, but do you know what Christian truth really is? Could you explain your faith? Do you base it on the Bible? Could you defend it against challenges? Faith is the most momentous reality that I can think of. We need to know what we believe. We need to be able to defend it when it's challenged. And we need to have reason for relying on it as a basis for our lives. That was, of course, J.I. Packer. To say he was a giant of the faith is to put it mildly. Knowing God, his book, Holiness, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. I just, Packer has been so influential on so 
many people. The world was not worthy of him, and to be honest, the Anglican church which he eventually left in Canada was not worthy of him. By the way, forgive that beep. That's basically uh, me not having the technical knowledge to stop my computer making sounds. Now, uh, my producer, Peter, has knows how to do that and has told me how to do it. And I, I'm literally just back in the door from speaking to some lawyers at Canberra. And I got to I got to read through this tech stuff. But look, this is rough and ready and you don't particularly care. Uh, at least I hope you don't. But I'll, I'll polish it all up. But anyway, Mr. Packer, let, let's come back to this. Um, yeah. Wow. Packer gone. Ravi Zacharias gone. Peter Maiden gone. Derek Prime gone. What a year for the church. May the Lord raise up new leaders. I'm sure he will. Because we're going to need it. Because throughout the world there is persecution and we real persecution. So let me focus today on India where it was reported that there, are, there have been 135 cases of persecution in the first half of 2020, including lynching, community ostracization, sodomization, and murder. It's the Delhi-based Evangelical Fellowship of India who reported this, that during the coronavirus pandemic lockdown, Christians have faced more opposition than ever, particularly from the hands of Hindu extremists, especially in Uttar Pradesh, the province ruled by the by Bachana Janata Party. Um, there's 200 million people live in that in that state. Only 350,000 Christians. It is unbelievable what has happened. Many cases, by the way, 135 is what's reported. Many cases are going unreported because people are scared and they're scared of the police. Eight of the 29 states in India have adopted anti-conversion laws. So please pray for our brothers and sisters in India. Okay, two more things before we go. First of all, have a listen to this. That was the first ever countdown for a rocket launch in Arabic. I, if, I, if I did a competition and I asked you, who do you think is sending the next mission to Mars? I wonder if you would get this. It's not the Chinese, not the Russians, not the Americans, not the Europeans, not the British, not the Australians, not the Japanese, not the Brazilians. It is, drumroll, the United Arab Emirates. Something called a Hoach Probe, a Hope Probe rather, has been launched on an H-2 rocket from Tagishamiya Spaceport in Japan and it's on its way, 500 million kilometres to Mars to study the planet's weather and climate, expected to arrive in February 2021, which will coincide with the 50th anniversary of the United Arab Emirates formation. I just thought that was a fascinating story.
All right, uh, I have been looking at, uh, over the past nine weeks, now this is the tenth week, looking at my top ten most influential albums, and one of them is the complete Newport 1958 performance of Duke Ellington. And he has Mahalia Jackson um, singing this song, Keep Your Hand on the Plow. Jesus say, come unto me, I am the way. Keep your hand on the plow. And it's a song that's been a tremendous inspiration for me. Because for those of you who are Christians, you're well aware of this. Sometimes we get tired, sometimes we get worn down, sometimes we really struggle. And what does the Lord say to us? Keep going. Keep your hand on the plow. Keep your hand on the plow. God is going to bless, God is going to bring a harvest. God is going to prosper. It may be difficult. It may be tough. You may str- you may be struggling, but keep your hand on the plow and look to Christ. You're not a Christian. You need to find out what that means. Uh, feel free to suggest subjects to me for the new themed quantum. Feel free to send me comments. Feel free to pass it on. Feel free to support us at the Podbean Podcast. See you soon. See you next week. Bye. to him sing and shout be nobody that'll put me out keep your hand on the plot hold on my rope gonna fit me well try it on at the gates of hell keep your hand on the plow hold on